A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. Might be time for a beard trim when the uh, name is covering up the uh, the hair there. Might have to uh, head to the barber this week. And hopefully you are having a uh, great week. Glad that you are with us here on this uh, Thursday uh, edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. Got a lot uh, that we've already been covering on the website today, including the uh, refusal of the Oregon Supreme Court to uh, block or to allow Measure 114 to uh, take effect today. They are uh, allowing this county judge's uh, decision, granting a TRO against all aspects of Measure 114, to remain in place, which is very good news for uh, for gun owners. Meanwhile, the uh, Second Circuit Court of Appeals in New York uh, saying that New York's Concealed Carry Improvement Act can actually remain in effect uh, while litigation is proceeding. That is uh, not so great news, but, um, you know, it's a very busy time right now for our right to keep our arms, not only in uh, courthouses, but in uh, state houses and on Capitol Hill as well. In fact, uh, Joe Biden stumping once again for a gun and magazine ban on a Wednesday night, speaking at a vigil for victims of gun violence, uh, calling on Congress to enact that ban on modern sporting rifles. I don't think he's going to get it, but as we'll be talking about here in just a moment, um, there is a last minute push for a bipartisan bill. I say bipartisan because it does have a Republican co-sponsor. Uh, that is not your traditional anti-gun bill, but still I don't think uh, is worth approving or passing. And we'll get to that in uh, just a moment. But this episode is brought to you by Direct Bullion USA, the new gold standard of gold and silver dealers. You wouldn't let the swamp of Washington, D.C. take your guns. So why would you let them take your retirement? Visit directbullionusa.com today and start learning how to protect your financial freedom by requesting a free investment guide. Secure, protect, and diversify. Get started now at directbillionusa.com. So yesterday in Washington, D.C., the House Judiciary Committee advanced a measure on party lines that would establish a federal do-not-sell list that people could sign up for that would be run by the federal government. And once folks have placed themselves on this list, they would be unable to purchase a firearm at retail. Yeah. Uh, According to uh, Fox News, as well as bill sponsors, uh, the bill aimed at preventing gun suicides, which supporters of the legislation say you're claiming the lives of more than 25,000 Americans every year. The proposal from Representative Pramila Jayapal, Democrat of Washington, and John Curtis, Republican of Utah, will let anyone who believes they might take their own life with a gun to enroll themselves on a list of people who would then be blocked from buying a firearm. And again, party line vote on Wednesday, House Judiciary Committee uh, moving forward. With this bill, despite objections uh, by Republicans, Jim Jordan, for example, a ranking member on the Judiciary Committee, said that we really need a federal statute to permit a person to volunteer to give up their fundamental liberty. Mental health is important. We all understand that, especially as it relates to suicide. But this, I mean, really, this is what we're going to do? He said, I think this, again, is just another attack from the Democrats 
on the Second Amendment. Representative Thomas Massey of uh, Kentucky says that uh, he's worried that the bill might turn folks who put themselves on the list into criminals uh, if they receive a firearm uh, as a gift, or maybe the person giving the gun as a gift uh, might end up in trouble as well. Uh, Democrats said during committee debate that that's not the intent of the law and said, well, we can fix it later. (laughs) But Republicans say the uh, confusion and the vagueness of the issue is yet another reason not to support this bill. As for uh, Jayapal, uh, the prime Democratic sponsor, she says, my bill would create a new tool that gives people experiencing the challenging swings of mental health illness to have the power to proactively and voluntarily protect themselves by putting themselves on a do not sell list for a firearm. Right. So this would be the voluntary purchase delay database if this bill becomes law. Uh, And the bill requires the attorney general to establish a process that allow people to have their names removed from the database Uh, with those requests having to be fulfilled within 21 days. However, they must be accompanied by a declaration from a mental health professional who says that the person uh, posing that uh, request to remove themselves from the list poses no risk of self-harm. So it's easier to put yourself on the list than it is to get yourself off of the list. Which is troubling in and of itself, right? If you have the presence of mind to say, hey, you know what? I don't want to be able to buy a gun. Why shouldn't you have the presence of mind to say, you know what? I'm okay. I I think I actually do want to be able to buy a firearm now. I have a real problem with somebody being able to voluntarily put themselves on this list, but not be able to voluntarily remove themselves. Right? That's an issue. Here's another issue. We have seen, and by the way, We have talked, if you are a regular viewer to this program, you know we care about mental health on this program, right? Bob Owens, who started Bearing Arms, is a victim of suicide. Most of us who have been a a listener or a viewer or, you know, a, a guest on this program, most of us have lost somebody to suicide, whether or not a gun was involved or not. So this is something that I do take seriously. I want people to stay alive. I don't want to lose anybody uh, to uh, self-harm. But I don't think this is the right way to go about it. In fact, I think this is a Band-Aid solution. This this is something that allows lawmakers to say, look, we did something, as opposed to addressing the serious mental health crisis that we have in this country. Now, there are, in several states, Uh, voluntary do-not-sell lists that are already in place, including in Washington State and in Utah. I have not been able to find any data about how often this do-not-sell list has been used in Washington, how many people have uh, volunteered to place themselves on this list. But we do have some figures from Utah. Uh, Current as of... July of this year. So it's a few months old. The data is a few months old. But May of 2021 was when the state of Utah uh, established this voluntary do not sell list. And between May of 2021 and July of 2022, according to Deseret.com, there were five people in Utah who put themselves on this list. Five. One, two, three, four, five. That's it. Commonwealth of Virginia also has a voluntary do not sell list. 
that was put in place when Democrats had complete control of a state government. I actually reached out to the Virginia State Police earlier this year. This was back in August. Uh, And I asked, how many people have signed up for the voluntary do not sell list? And how many people have requested to be removed from the list? So again, this data is current as of August of this year. But according to the Virginia State Police, 24 individuals in the Commonwealth have signed up to put themselves on the do not sell list. One of them has uh, tried to take themselves off, and I don't know the outcome of that case. It's fair to say that this legislation is having little impact, right? First, the number of people who are actually utilizing this voluntary do not sell list, even if you think it's a good idea, is incredibly low. And those individuals who say, hey, I don't want to be able to buy a gun, are it's not like their risk of dying from suicide disappears because they've taken that step, right? There are, unfortunately, still lots of ways that somebody can choose to end their own life, even if they don't have access to a firearm. And that, to me, is the real... Uh, The real harm that's done by legislation like this, because again, it allows lawmakers to say, oh, we're addressing the problem. Oh, we're doing something to fix this, as opposed to wrestling with the very serious challenges that our mental health system faces right now. And I I won't deny that those challenges are difficult. Yeah, it's a hell of a lot easier to say, you know what we need? We need a red flag law. Uh, we can take somebody's guns away uh, without them having to go through any sort of mental health treatment whatsoever, right? We'll, we'll, we'll just treat the gun as if it's the problem. That's what this bill does, too. It's not a red flag law in that you can volunteer to give up your right to own a gun as opposed to having them uh, uh, temporarily taken from you. But it's still based on the idea that we're really not trying to combat suicide. We're trying to combat suicide by gun. Which I got to say, I, I, I don't think that that should be the goal. I think the goal should be saving lives, not trying to tell somebody, well, if, if you do kill yourself, just don't do it with a gun. Do it by some other means. You know, we've seen this with red flag laws. Um, one of the studies that gets cited all the time, supposedly in support of red flag laws, right, is a study that was done uh, looking at uh, suicide rates in Connecticut and Indiana. And they basically created a, um, a, an artificial uh, state of Connecticut that didn't have a red flag law in place. And then they ran a bunch of computer modeling to, to figure out, okay, well, how many lives were saved potentially uh, by the, the presence of a red flag law in Connecticut and in Indiana? And, and again, based on this theoretical exercise, what they uh, determined is that for Every 10 to 20 red flag firearm seizures, one suicide is prevented. Which raises a lot of questions, right? What happens in the other 19, uh, 9 to 19 cases, I guess? Were those people never really a danger to themselves or others? Uh, did they go on to take their own life throughout, you know, by another mean? 
but a five to 10% effective rate doesn't seem all that effective to me. A voluntary do not sell list uh, is even less effective at addressing the, the real issue here. Now, I will say that there are programs out there, also voluntary, that don't involve the government. They don't involve putting yourself on a list. They don't involve having to, uh, you know, again, a, a very easy process to say, don't sell me a gun, but a very difficult process to say, hey, you know what? I want to be able to exercise my rights now. Um, Hold My Guns is actually the name of one of these programs. And this is a real grassroots effort a nationwide among mental health professionals, among firearms instructors, among gun store owners. And it's really simple. If you need to remove your guns from your home temporarily, maybe you're, again, concerned about your own mental health. Maybe you're concerned about the mental health of somebody in your house. Maybe you're just going away for a couple of weeks and you don't want to have firearms, you know, left in your home, even locked up in a safe somewhere because no one's going to be around to, to you know, guard your house. You can store your firearms temporarily at these locations that have agreed to be involved with Hold My Guns. And there is no government involvement. This is all privately run. There's no database. There's no, you know, potential for registration. There's no potential of you saying, uh, here, hold my guns and then not be able to get your guns back. Um, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, actually, they recently ran a, uh, a KDKA, KDKA, excuse me, ran a story about uh, hold my guns. And how it's working there in the uh, Pittsburgh area. Uh, Allegheny Arms and Gunworks in Bethel Parks is part of Hold My Guns. And uh, Josh Rowe, who's the co-owner, says, uh, we ask no questions as far as the purpose of holding the guns, turning them over to us. We'll hold them for up to a year. Uh, once you've decided you can get your guns back without you know any, any concerns on your part, uh, you go through a background check, make sure you haven't become prohibited in the meantime. Um, and if the, uh, you know, no, no issues, you, you get your firearms returned as KDKA mentioned, um, this is also available for folks who might not have a safe at home, don't want their guns, uh, out while they're going on an extended vacation or having company over again, it's a, it's not, again, it's not a perfect solution, right? But to me, it's a much better way of addressing the issue of, uh, well, folks might, you know, get to a point where they don't feel like they should have a gun in the home, but they don't want to get rid of their guns. This is a temporary uh, issue, and it's going to be resolved at some point. Rather than setting up some sort of federal registry that uh, folks can put themselves on, which, again, people aren't doing in the states where this is in place, Right. If if this was going to be wildly popular, we would have seen it in Washington State or in Utah or in Virginia, and we're not. This is something that is wildly popular among gun control advocates. It's not really wildly popular among gun owners. And if you're trying to reduce suicide among gun owners, a federal do-not-sell list, even a state-level do-not-sell list, it's not the way to go. Uh, again, we need to improve access to mental health treatment, both inpatient and outpatient. Almost every state in the nation right now has a crisis in their mental health system. And by crisis, I mean there aren't enough beds. There aren't enough mental health workers. So people who are in acute need 
of crisis. I'll, I'll go back to Virginia, for example, because again, we've got our no do not sell list in Virginia, right? 24 people have signed up. Great. So we got 24 people who cannot legally buy a gun because they've said, don't sell me one. We have a hell of a lot more than 24 people who are struggling with their mental health right now, who are experiencing suicidal ideation in the Commonwealth of Virginia. And unfortunately, we don't have the bed space for them. Uh, it may be it may be days before they can even be evaluated by a mental health professional if they're taken in for an involuntary civil commitment. You've got sheriff's deputies in some cases who are waiting in ERs with a person in crisis because they can't leave them alone. And they also can't patrol on the streets, but they're sitting in an ER for 12, 18, 24, sometimes 48 hours. The other alternative is to put that person who's in crisis and put them in a jail cell. And that way, at least, the, you know, they're, they're, they're monitored. Got a corrections officer watch over so the deputy can get back out on patrol, but they're still not being helped. It's still not being addressed. And in Virginia and a lot of other states, <laughs> lawmakers, again, they don't want to talk about what it's going to take to seriously fix the mess that has been made. They would prefer these soundbite solutions, whether it's a red flag law, whether it's a voluntary do not sell list. I, I, I hesitate to even call them band-aids because I look, band-aids have a purpose. Th- this is this is more um, stage makeup. This is just trying to cover up the problem. It's not trying to fix it in any way, shape, or form. Now, what are the prospects of this bill becoming law in the lame duck session of Congress? Well, uh, John Curtis, the uh, Republican co-sponsor, said he thinks that the bill is going to get a lot of support. That didn't happen in the House Judiciary Committee. Again, every Republican voting against it. Uh, Technically, you don't need a single Republican, though, to get gun control through the House. So this could pass the House in the lame duck session. I doubt very much that the uh, Senate is going to take it up, although they could. Listen, Joe Biden has made it clear he wants to do something right on guns before the end of the year. And this would be something wouldn't be a gun ban, wouldn't be a magazine ban, wouldn't be the, uh, the the type of something that he's been calling for. But it would still be something that uh, he and other Democrats could point to and say, look, look what we did here. Right. Something that's absolutely useless. But look what they did. Um, again, I am not trying to diminish the seriousness of folks who have mental health struggles. Uh, And I will be the first to tell you, if you believe that a program like Hold My Guns could help you, take advantage of it. Listen, if as much as I dismiss the idea of a do not sell list, if you think, if you live in a state where one's on the books and you honestly think it would help you, go for it. If if that's what you think is going to keep you alive, go for it. But more broadly, looking at this issue from a 30,000-foot level, <laughs> I, I just don't think this helps. And I think it allows lawmakers to escape responsibility for the mess that they have created in our mental health system and in our criminal justice system, for that matter, too. But we're talking primarily about mental health today. And I think it's time that politicians fix this mess. Not kick the can down the road. Not slap a coat of... uh uh, theatrical makeup on the uh, gaping wounds 
in our mental health care system and, and, and call the problem solved or say that it's even being addressed in some fundamental fashion when it's not. That, that's my biggest concern. Um, would this bill be constitutional? I have no idea. I mean, we certainly don't have any historical analogs like this to look for, but uh, I have a feeling that the courts would say, yeah, I mean, I guess if you want to say, don't sell me a gun, sure, you should have the right to say, don't sell me a gun. So I don't know what would happen with a legal challenge. I don't even know if you'd be able to find somebody who had standing to sue unless they had put themselves on the list and then were unable to get themselves off. But what I do know is that any politician who says that they're serious about addressing mental health and this is their solution? They're wearing clown shoes. They're they're not serious at all because this is a fundamentally unserious approach to saving lives. Now, let's turn our attention to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report as well. Let's start there with New York State. Speaking of the uh, Second Circuit, you know, upholding uh, or, or not upholding, but saying that uh, the provisions of uh, New York's Concealed Carry Improvement Act can uh, remain in effect while the case is being litigated. New York, you know, has cracked down on legal gun owners, on our right to keep and bear arms, our uh, right to arm self-defense. But one of the things that they focused on are those uh, ghost guns, right? Those uh, homemade, unserialized firearms that are, are, are a scourge on society, according to New York. Right, passed a new law last year saying uh, we're going to ban them, going to get tough on them. I don't even think it was last year. I think it was earlier this year. But they're cracking down on ghost guns, except that they're not really, because in Buffalo, a man caught in possession of a quote unquote ghost gun has now been sentenced to probation. That's right, five years in prison potentially if you, as a concealed carry holder, set foot in a uh, gun free zone. Yeah, after you've jumped through all of the hoops and hurdles the state has put in front of you in order to exercise your right to bear arms lawfully, but if you're caught in a legal possession of a uh, ghost gun, hold out your wrist. Don't do that again. That's what happens. Nikki Lofton, 26 years old, old enough to know better, sent us in Erie County Court to five years probation. According to the DA's office, it was uh, back in May. A uh, Buffalo police detective investigating a shooting saw Lofton running in an alley near the crime scene. He refused multiple commands to stop, was soon arrested in a nearby parking lot. He was found with a uh, loaded, quote, ghost gun on his person. He was never charged in the shooting. Uh, instead, Lofton pleaded guilty to one count of second degree attempted criminal possession of a weapon back in September. Uh, was, I think, free to go after he pleaded guilty. Might have had to return to court for a sentence, but uh, yeah, now he's in the free and clear, as long as he uh, keeps his nose out of trouble for the next couple of years, he, he's fine. No time behind bars whatsoever for possessing one of those ghost guns. Uh, unlike someone who, you know, <clears throat> might uh, dare to bring their lawfully carried or lawfully possessed firearm onto a, uh, I don't know, public bus or a subway or a uh, restaurant in which alcohol is served. All places that uh, New York State has deemed to be sensitive and off limits to all gun owners. Yeah. Of course, again, the punishment, probably various to whether or not you are a concealed carry holder or somebody illegally carrying a gun, you might actually face tougher consequences 
if you are a concealed carry holder, given the uh, screwy nature of New York's gun laws and their soft on crime policies. Uh, today's armed citizen story, a bit of a departure from the, ty- the type of stories we normally talk about. Generally, our defensive gun uses that we cover involve somebody using their own firearm to protect their life. This time around, this is actually a case of a woman who used uh, an attempted carjacker's gun in order to protect herself. Yeah, this was in uh, North Las Vegas back uh, on November 19th. A uh, couple of women had gone to a friend's house for a friend's giving, basically. Um, And uh, they got there to the party. They decided to wait in the car because they got there a little early. Uh, one of the women noticed a uh, another vehicle quickly approaching her car while she and her friend were sitting there waiting. The other car then stopped directly in front of the woman's vehicle so that she couldn't pull forward. Two guys got out, both of them armed, according to the woman. Uh, the woman said that the uh, two men yelled at her and her friend, telling them to get out of the car. One of the men reportedly opened the driver's side door and then pulled her out of the vehicle by her shirt. Uh, then one of the other suspects got into the car, but couldn't figure out how to get it and drive. It had one of those like push button start uh, mechanisms. So as he's struggling to get the car started, the driver put his gun on his lap. The other suspect then climbed into the passenger seat. Woman said she told her friend to run, and she said she grabbed the gun from the first suspect's lap, and then she took off running as well. Police said the suspect then chased after her, tackled her a few seconds later. Report said the woman was unable to get the man to let go of her, and so she shot him with his gun. Detectives say uh, she told them she wasn't sure if she hit him once or twice, but the uh, second suspect then began firing at the woman. So she ran towards a house, hit in a side yard. She said the gun that she had taken from the carjacking suspect had jammed at that point, but she was able to clear it. Uh, And then she said she heard the second suspect say that his friend was shot. When police arrived, the woman came out of the shadows. Talked to police. Uh, police report says that uh, she was put in handcuffs at the scene, but was later told she was not under arrest. Officers say they found a uh, man lying there in the street, bleeding from his head, wearing a black ski mask, jacket, and jeans. On December 2nd, North Las Vegas police uh, took the man's alleged uh, uh, accomplice into custody, a guy named Jalen Morrison. Arrest report says that Morrison was linked to a vehicle of interest that officers discovered at the scene of the shooting. And they say that he was a known associate to the uh, two men that the woman encountered back in November. They say he cased the victims, blocked their car with his, and had two other suspects get out of the car with the intent to steal the woman's car. He's now been charged with second-degree kidnapping, conspiracy to commit robbery, aggravated robbery with a deadly weapon, burglary with the use of a deadly weapon, and attempted grand larceny of a vehicle. The woman, by the way, not facing any charges. She was acting in self-defense, even if it were not her own firearm. And what do you think the odds are that uh, this woman who used the guy who was trying to carjack her gun to uh, protect her life, what do you think the odds are that she is now in the process of obtaining her own concealed carry license? I would put the odds at north of 50%. If she were not already a gun owner and a concealed carry holder, I'm guessing she is today, or at least in the process of uh, becoming one. Finally today, our good deed of the day uh, from Louisiana, where a couple of good Samaritans in the right place at the right time weren't able to do the right thing to uh, save a family whose car had uh, gone off the road and ended up in a swamp. Um, apparently this happens more often. We've had a number of 
these types of uh, good deeds of the day over the past couple of weeks, haven't we? Cars going off the road, ending up in water, and uh, thankfully people around and uh, able to save the day. Uh, this was uh, in Assumption Parish, Louisiana, yesterday morning. Four occupants of the vehicle, including two small children, go off the road and, again, end up in the swamp um, or a canal, I guess, where it uh, quickly became submerged in water. Uh, But the occupants of the Toyota were unable to open the doors and get out because of the mud and the muck. Um, Two good Samaritans who saw what happened, though, refused to stand idly by while that family was in danger. Uh, A guy named uh, Jeff. Laprius uh, saw the crash, pulled over, rushed to help. Uh, and then a, a second good Samaritan identified as a Chase Dupree of uh, Chauvin, Louisiana, uh, saw what was going on. He did the same. Uh, the men entered the water. They were able to, from the outside, yank open a door on the Toyota. Uh, working together, they are able to rescue all four family members. Only minor injuries reported in the crash. Officials with the Louisiana State Police say that uh, they are thankful, quote, for both of these men who selflessly entered a dangerous situation to help save the lives of many. And absolutely, uh, again, uh, Jeff Laprius, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, and uh, Chase Dupree, in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing, and uh, walking away, having saved some lives there on a uh, Louisiana roadway. That is going to do it for this edition of Barry and Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program as always. We will be back on Monday with another edition of Barry and Arms Cam and Company. But uh, don't forget to check out BarryandArms.com in the meantime. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, we'll be updating the site with all of the latest news and information that you need to know about your right to keep and bear arms. And there is a lot to cover these days. Again, from courthouses to state houses and beyond. But uh, we've got it all covered for you there at Barry and Arms. If you like what you see, I'd also encourage you to become a VIP member. All you have to do, go to barryandarms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS, and you can get a significant savings on your VIP membership. And as our way of saying thanks for showing your support, we're going to give you exclusive news stories, analysis, content you won't find anywhere else. Because your support does matter. And it really does make a difference. So thank you again. Hope you do have a great rest of your uh, work week and a good weekend as well. Look forward to talking again on Monday. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free.